We're uh, starting a new series today. It's called The Return. And what it implies is uh, there are some things that the church, and we're going to talk about our church, the, the Western church in America. There's some things we need to be returning to big time. Uh, you probably have noticed that the Church of Jesus Christ as a whole is not as healthy as it was before COVID. There are a lot of things that have been left behind, and the Lord is telling the church to start up again, keep doing these things, make progress, return to what really matters. And the first thing people need to return to is Jesus. Amen. Not religion. You know, not some made-up, mythical person but Jesus, the Son of God, the firstborn from the dead. Amen? The soon coming King. In Zechariah 1.3, the scripture says this, Therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. And when you see that phrase, Lord of hosts, that literally means the leader of the army of God. It means the leader of the armed expedition, expeditions of God. It means that if you and I will return to him with all of our heart, he will fight for you and throw everything he has at it to cause you to win. It's worth returning in the church. Return to him. Look at somebody and tell them, return to him. Return to me, and he says, I'll fight for you with everything at my disposal. Malachi 3, 7 is a very similar sentiment. It says, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. This is the phrase El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. This is the one who has more than enough to cause a breakthrough in your life in every area if you'll return to him. Then in Deuteronomy 4.30, the Bible says, when you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. Now we know according to the teachings of scripture, there's going to be a falling away, but I want you to understand there's going to be a remnant that returns. Look at somebody say, I'm returning and I'm staying. Say it, I'm a fixture in the house of God. I'm a fixture, say it. Then in Deuteronomy 32, and you return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and soul according to all that I command you today, you and your sons. The purpose of this series is to emphasize things that Christians need to get back to that have fallen off for whatever reason. Sickness, pandemic, laziness, lack of discipline, whatever it is, things like fear. We're going to cover a wide variety of messages, but today I want to focus on the first and the most important thing is you return to the Lord like you never have before. How about if everybody walks out of here 100% committed to Jesus Christ and just no shame, no apology, all out for him. Amen? Return means to go back or come back as to a former place, position, or state. It means to get back, to turn back, to come back to. Jesus put it like this in Revelation 2.5. He said, consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. I look at scriptures and just as a way of introduction, I think about the prodigal son who so dishonored his father and left and then spent all the father gave him on riotous living. But one day found himself in a pig pen and there he came to his senses. And what did he do? He got up out of that pig pen and he returned to his father. Now I preach this and I believe this all in my heart. Not all the pig pens are out there in the world. Amen. 
Some of those pig pens are in religion. Some people just they need to move like that second son to a place of real honor towards the father. So, but he returned. And you and I know from scripture that uh, Jesus, when he was arrested and the trial was going on, how many disciples left him? They all forsook him. And then they all began to come back in return. John was at the foot of the cross. He returned. Then Peter returned after his restoration. And we know people like Thomas returned. You see, we're not going to say it's okay to leave, but by all means, if you do, it's time to return. It's time to return with all of your heart. Disciples leaving, that's no big deal. Returning, though, is what's important. And I'll tell you this, we want to return while we have the opportunity to. I mean, for many years, they laughed at Noah. Noah, what you doing? Uh, building a big ship. What's a ship? I don't know, but I'm building one. <laughs> no, why are you building a ship? Because judgment's coming. What do you mean judgment's coming? What's going to happen? Well, it's going to rain. What's rain? I don't know, but it's going to rain. <laughs> you know, you and I have been taught ourselves we have to have it all figured out to obey God. No, you don't. If you're told to build the ark, you build an ark. And one day, after all the laughter and after all the mocking, after all the shame, here came the flood. And all of a sudden, there's no more laughter. Just worldwide gurgling. Others doing the same thing right now about the return of the Lord, laughing and mocking. But guess what? All the laughter and mocking in the world won't stop him from coming. Say it. He's coming back. The important thing is to return. That what we do, we do intentionally. And then you'll see when you do return with all of your heart, the purpose is going to come back to your life. The peace is going to return. The joy is going to return. And the victory is going to be there. And listen, God doesn't care how long you've been gone, what pig pens you've been in, what beds you've been in, what bars you've been in. He just wants you back. Doesn't matter what religious excuse you've made for not following God and doing what you're supposed to do. Doesn't make any difference all the rationale that you had in trying to justify where you've been. He doesn't care. He just wants you to return. I don't see any condemnation in Scripture for people that return to Him. In fact, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who live not after the flesh, amen, but after the Spirit. Turn to somebody and say, no condemnation. Just return. Well, where did we go, collective we, that we need to return? Well, some folks turned to idols. What does that mean? They built golden calves or built an altar and bowed down? No, they put things before God. All you have to do to have an idol in your life is just put something or someone in front of your God. And I hate to say it, but there's a lot of Christians who put pandemic in front of their God. And many are still doing it. Around the world, people are still letting this thing control their lives. Last thing I knew, and last thing I heard from Scripture, it was Lord Jesus, not Lord COVID. And it certainly isn't Lord Andy. Or Lord Fauci. Or Lord Biden. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Say that with me. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Does that make sense? Then it comes to a point in time you say, you know what? If I'm going to claim to be a Christian, then I need to do what Christians are supposed to do. Amen. Some turn to sin. Things that violate outright the word of God. Well, we understand that if someone's steeped in sin and away from God, they need to return, don't they? Aren't you glad he'll take you back? Some people turn to fear, replacing the leadership of the Holy Spirit with whatever that fear tells them to do. You know, the problem, and we've talked about fear a lot, obviously. Everybody say a good amen to that. I mean, come on now. Four months on fear is a lot of time on fear. There ought not be fear lurking anywhere in your life. Not under the bed, under the covers, amen. Not in the cupboards anywhere. But the problem is, once you yield to it, it'll keep trying to dominate your life all the days of your life. This time it'll be a disease. Next time it'll be something else. Well, I can't go out of the, out of the you know, house because, you know, Putin may drop a bomb. How ridiculously insane and irrational that is. But fear is not rational. Four, some turn to pleasure. If it feels good, it's right, and it should be a priority in your life. Well, guess what? Just because it feels good, it may not be right. Five, they turn to entertainment or amusement. Amusement means without thought. And a lot of people are vegetating, as this video implied, on everything but, following everything but the Lord, trying to get some more likes or sell some more you know, sponsorships on TikTok or YouTube or somewhere else. Dr. Barkley calls it SpewTube. I haven't heard his moniker yet for TikTok, but I'm sure he has one. <laughs> uh, Bill Barger has one for Facebook, to Facebook. Isn't that true? <laughs> Amen. They turn number six to selfishness. Who cares if I don't contribute to the church? Who cares if I don't get involved with ministry? Who cares if I don't come to service? Well, if you're a believer, you should want to do what believers do. Amen. They say, well, pastor, you know, I think you should just, you know, gloss over that stuff. You know, people are people are going to do what they're going to do and you shouldn't care. Well, the pastor's not going to preach the word and the pastor should just leave. Can I tell you something? God is going to sanitize this church in the next coming years. People refuse to follow and obey the word of God because the body of Christ in America needs the word being preached. Not preaching for likes. Amen. I hope I get 100 likes on this sermon. Who cares? As long as I get 100 dues. I'd rather have some dues than some likes. And I'm preaching better than y'all are staring at me right now. They turned to their own ways, which means they self-directed their lives, calling the shots. I don't know what born again you might have gotten or didn't get, but if you got born again, you also got a Lord with a Savior. And you don't get to call your shots. Now, I apologize if in the process of you getting saved, maybe you went to what's called the placebo church and you got saved there and they, they told you it was all about you and just do what you want to do and God will put his rubber stamp on it and go where you want to go and live where you want to live and, and get involved with what you want to get involved in. If you heard that, I'm sorry, but the truth of the matter is when you gave your life to Christ, you're supposed to be dead from that point on and alive to his will. From here on out, it's thy will be done. Let's practice it. Thy will be done. Done. And anybody tells you anything different than that is lying to you. It's not Jesus and I have a relationship and I'm going to heaven and I just do what I want to do. 
You're in the last days, my friend. Come on, say it's the last days. It's no longer we that live, but what? Christ that lives in us and through us. That's the work and that is the ministry of the gospel. Well, you know, there was a time probably if a preacher stood up and said, we need to return to Jesus, everybody in the room would understand what Jesus he was talking about. We're no longer in that day. Because the Bible view of Jesus and how the world, even religion, wants to portray him are not the same thing. So when I say return to Jesus, number one, I am talking about the historical Jesus. I'm talking about the one that not even, not, not all on scripture, but historians count as living and died. And yes, even documented stories of people who claim they saw him alive outside of the context of the word of God. Aren't you glad he's real? He really came. There really was a birth. There really was a ministry. There really was a crucifixion. There really was a resurrection. And there really will be a second coming. I think you ought to celebrate that fact. If he did all that other stuff, he's going to come too, isn't he? Amen. He's going to come. He's going to return. Praise the Lord. And I don't know about you. I want to go in that first load. Amen. But we're talking about not what some liberal says or a woke person says he is. What we're talking about, the literal historical Jesus. Number two, we're talking about the biblical Jesus. Because if you listen out there in the world, they will tell you things like, well, Jesus is all about tolerance. And Jesus is all about love. I remind you, the first message he preached was repent. Yes. Not do whatever you want to do because, you know, we're all the same and I'm tolerant and I love you. That is not the Jesus of the Bible. It flat is not what scripture teaches about his nature or who he is or what he came to do or what he will do. That is a creation of a woke crowd that's trying to justify and have it all. I want to have Jesus and the church and live the way I want to. That's not how this thing works. Amen. In John 8, when a woman was taken in adultery, they wanted to trap Jesus in that scenario. Moses said, we should stone such a one as this. What do you say? And you know as well as I do, he, he paused and he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. I would love to know what he wrote on the ground. Yeah, Amen? Or what he doodled or whatever. We don't know, but we do know what he said. He that is without sin, cast the first stone. And the story is hilarious to me in a way because the oldest are the ones the first to leave. Probably the ones that were egging on her, her killing. But all over the ground you could hear the thump of rocks falling to the ground. As one by one they left and now it's just Jesus and her. Neither do I condemn thee. That's where the woke Jesus stops reading. That's not the end of what he said. He said, I do not condemn thee now Go and sin just a little bit more. Go and what? 
sin no more. The woke Jesus, tolerant. The real Jesus is loving, kind, forgiving, but also is the same Jesus that said, go and sin no more. Come on, shout it out. Go, go. and sin no more. Now, be perfectly frank with you, everybody is welcome in the house of God. And we'll always be welcome in the house of God. Most of the stuff that you're dealing with, we'll never know about. Nobody sends us a little email with all your history in it. Now watch out for Ruth, because I'll tell you what she did. <laughs> That's right, y'all thinking, yeah, I'm glad it's Ruth and not me, praise the Lord. <laughs> There's no telling what you got going on in your life. Everybody, regardless of their flavor or brand of sin, is welcome. You're welcome to come to this or any other Bible church. You are not welcome to stay the same. The woke Jesus, come and stay as you are. He loves you the way you are. He loves you the way you are with the power to bring you where you have not been. So the, the, if the addict can come in here, alcoholic or sex addict or drug addict, and they're welcome to come here. But you're not going to hear me say, well, we love everybody and you're perfectly fine the way you are. Stay a drug addict. Go ahead and ruin your life and your potential and spend all your money and alienate your family. But, you know, we're like Jesus, the woke Jesus. We're just going to love on you. You let somebody stay bound. You don't love them at all. Amen. A liar is perfectly welcome to come to church. We don't want you to stay one. Amen. Murderer, welcome to come. But how do you know, pastor, you don't want to see anybody killed here. <laughs> Go and kill no more. Go and drink no more. Go and shoot no more. And homosexuals are perfectly welcome to come here. A les lesbian couple came to me a couple years ago and said, you know, we've been to every church in the region and we just don't feel welcome. Are we welcome here? You're welcome here. Now, how do you understand? I'm not suddenly going to preach a different gospel. Because somebody walked into the door. I'm not going to target anybody, but I'm not going to stop preaching the gospel. Do you know that I could preach, you know, Mary had a little lamb, and the Spirit of God could convict you of your sin right now. Because the Spirit of God is here. You don't have to specifically address somebody's pet sin for them to fall under conviction. And a lot of people who say the church is judgmental are misinterpreting the church being judgmental for the Spirit convicting them. They came for three or four or five weeks. I specifically pulled a leader in. I said, this is their story. I want them to be loved. I want them to know they are appreciated. I want them to know they are welcome. And I watched, and I watched how the church reached out to them and loved on them and accepted them, and they left anyway. You want to know why? Well, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But there's also conviction. Yes. I am not asking you to return to a woke Jesus. You need to return to a biblical Jesus. I said a biblical Jesus. 
I said a biblical Jesus who loves you enough to die for you, but loves you enough not to let you stay the way you are. Whatever it is. Let me just put it to you very bluntly here. In my entire ministry, I have never had a homosexual betray me, undermine me, cut me in the back, cut my legs out from under me. I've never had a homosexual ever hurt me. I've never had an adulterer or adulteress ever hurt me. I've never had a drug addict hurt me. But I've had a lot of people who are born again, spirit-filled with no integrity of the church do that from time to time. So you tell me who's got the bigger problem. Now, if you go out here saying the pastor said you could be homosexual and come to church and that's the way it is and it will be accepted, you just lie through your teeth. Amen. And if you're sitting here saying, well, God hates homosexuals and so does this church, you're lying through your teeth. I'm just simply telling you as it is. The Bible, Jesus says, you're right. Neither do I condemn thee, but what? If you leave off the butt, but go and sin no more, that's a misinterpretation of Scripture. And you can't do that. Amen. So we all come in here, and we're not perfect, but whatever it is, it was a stronghold. God expects us to go free from that. And the woke church says, I had to make any difference. You can live that way the rest of your life. Jesus loves you the way you are, darling. Playing with fire. I had you playing with fire. Amen. You're misusing people, abusing people, and you're a born-in Christian. You know what? God doesn't condemn you, but what? Go and sin no more. Amen. You're a, a, a male and you're abusing verbally or physically a spouse or a girlfriend or a family member. You need to knock off that junk. Neither do I condemn me, but what? Go and sin no more. If you're a woman doing that to a man, go and sin no more. I say, Pastor, women don't do that to men. Tell that to Jack Sparrow. Y'all want to hear my Barbosa imitation? If you want to hear my Barbosa imitation, lift up a hand. If not, then I just move right along in the sermon. Yeah. <clears throat> so what now, Jack Sparrow? We two mortals locked in epic battle till judgment day, our trumpets sound. Hmm? There you go. <laughs> That's my favorite part. But ask Jack Sparrow if a woman can beat up on a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we condemn thee? No. But what? Return to Jesus means accepting that he forgives you, but then that same power, go and sin no more. And if you're not careful, you'll sit in church excusing everything you do, you know. Well, at least I'm not that. Like I said before, you know, you can say, well, I'm not a homosexual. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a fornicator. Well, you know what? If you're hurting and destroying people's lives, if you're coming against ministers, you know, if you're, if you're destroying something in somebody's life, really? You're going to condemn that person and their lifestyle? No. Thank God for the blood. I said, thank God for the blood. Yes. I want you to return to a historical Jesus. Yes. 
I want you to restore, uh, return to a biblical Jesus. Because this woke Jesus is a figment of their imagination. Come on, say it. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Say it. Neither do I condemn thee, but go and what? Sin no more. That's just not reasonable for him to say that. Here's the secret. If he tells you go and sin no more, with that phrase, sin no more, comes the power to do what he said. He never gives a command without the power to accomplish that. That makes sense. So we're not going to condemn anybody walking in these doors. But we're not going to take on a woke Jesus persona and walk around justifying everything. There's accountability coming to the house of God. Amen. Well, so-and-so was on television saying that was perfectly fine, and so-and-so said this was okay, and so-and-so, Reverend so-and-so said this was okay. I don't care what Reverend so-and-so say. I'm talking about the gospel. I'm talking about what Jesus actually preached. And I mentioned earlier the, the, the Lord of the hosts or of the heavenly hosts in persona form, in, in human form, that is Jesus. He is the head of the angel armies of God. And when he comes back, he's not coming back on a donkey. And he's not coming out, you know, like he's just passing out pixie dust. And let's just love everybody. The picture is his return for those that rebel against him and those that have hurt him and his church. It's not a pretty picture. See what happens when you just focus on one dimension of the character of God? You preach error. Amen. Aren't you glad you're forgiven? I said, aren't you glad you're forgiven? So what should your attitude be towards other people? Same thing. Neither do I condemn thee, but what? How can I help you? Let's have some accountability. Let's have some counsel. You know, let's pray through this thing. You're not loving people, you know, leaving them in the same state they were when you first ran into them. Now that's going to make you a bigot no matter what in some people's eyes, but that's the way it is. Stick to the word of God. Amen. Say it with me. A historical Jesus. A biblical Jesus. Say it, Savior Jesus. There's only one. There's only one name under heaven given among men by which we what? Must be saved. There's one. There's no other way. There's no other pathway to salvation. Well, that's awful narrow-minded. Well, you know, when you're God, you can afford to be. Is he narrow-minded? Yeah. Is the path narrow? Yes. But how many names? One. God made it so simple, none of us could miss it. No, you know, scavenger hunt trying to find the name to get saved by. Only one Savior, only one sacrifice is life for you and for me. Amen. Say it with me. Historical Jesus. Biblical Jesus. Savior Jesus. Lord Jesus. Say Lord three times. Notice it's not Lord Barbara. Huh? Dr. Parker calls it your hiney. As in your highness. You're not Lord. And if you buy into the lie that I can get saved on my way to heaven and then run my life, you don't have a biblical Jesus. You have a religious one. 
you have, a, I want to get some insurance, go to heaven, but I don't want to live this out according to how the Word of God actually prescribes it. Come on, shout it out. It's Lord Jesus. Say it again. It is Lord Jesus. Not just historical, not just biblical, not just Savior, not just Lord. It's triumphant Jesus. Amen. He is the victor. He's triumphant today and he's coming back what? For a triumphant church. Amen. He's the winner. Everything else, amen, outside of him is to lose. Amen. And guess who's coming back with him one day? How are your horse riding skills, church? <laughs> uh, he, he's coming back on a, on a beautiful white horse. Are you coming back on one? Yes, you are. Some people have their end time you know, theology all messed up, but I can tell you this is, if the Lord says mount up, you're going to mount up. <laughs> and you're coming back. Yes. Amen. I hope my horse riding skills are better than my past. Don't be concerned, though. The anointing will keep your rear end in the saddle. Amen. You'll be okay. <laughs> I told this story when I was in Germany in about 1980. We stayed with a family, went to their schools, hung out with them. And across the street was a young lady whose family was in the horse breeding business. And they uh, kept their overheads and they breathe them out, and, and uh, she says to me one day, of course, if I'm American and from the West, I must be like John Wayne, right? Obviously, you know. She says, uh, can you ride? And I said, yeah. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking the slowest trail horse in Colorado Springs ride. <laughs> and uh, she said, okay. And she brought this beautiful horse over, and as soon as that horse looked at me, it started laughing. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It looked like the horse just took one look at me and said, sized me up and said, this is going to be fine. <laughs> it's going to be fine. <laughs> and no kidding. You know, five or six of us out there and there's these trails that are cut through the forest outside of Hamburg, Germany. Beautiful forest, beautiful trails. And they go on for several miles and then they spill out into another village, you know. And so as soon as I got on that horse... That horse knew instantly I had no control over it. And uh, this was not a trail horse. This was a thoroughbred, a retired thoroughbred. And that horse just took off, left everybody behind. And I mean, I, I wasn't saved or spirit-filled back then, but I'm pretty sure some tongues came out of my mouth anyway. I was riding down that just, boom, just bouncing all over the place, you know, just trying to stay on that thing. <laughs> and uh, there's no little saddle horn on the European saddle. So there's nothing to hold on to other than the horse's neck. <laughs> and uh, he just took off. Pretty soon this girl, Claudia, comes by. She's on a fast horse too. She manages to catch up at the end, but not until the horse comes off the track and into the village and right into the middle of the most beautiful German flower garden you've ever seen in your life. I mean, flowers are flying. And this guy comes out of his house, and he cussed me out in five languages, I think. <laughs> I am praying that my horse riding skills improve. Amen, for the end times. Praise the Lord. Peace triumphant. 
there is no other God, there's no other faith system, no one else is triumphant, no one else got up from the grave, no one else is going to save you, no one else is going to cause you to triumph and be led in triumph. It's just Him. Amen? Come on, say it. I'm returning to a biblical Jesus. Come on, say it boldly. A biblical Jesus. Say it again. A biblical Jesus. Not a woke Jesus. Hallelujah. Say it. He's historical. Biblical. He is Savior. He is Lord. He is triumphant. So the question is, what do you do? How do you return to He who is the one true Savior? Well, first of all, you repent for sliding away. Uh, you've been going down the woke path or you've been living life as if you're Lord, then you repent for sliding away. Number two, you recommit to follow and serve him. Not follow somebody on Facebook or Twitter, follow him. As Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. You repent and you recommit. Number three, you re-engage. A real Christian is not going to sit on the sidelines of the church. They're going to be right in the middle of the life of that church, serving and a part of it, or you've bought into some other kind of Jesus other than the one that is biblical. You get in there, you re-engage. Look at somebody and tell them, re-engage. re-engage. Not, not time to wallow in error and wallow in condemnation and wallow in sorrow. I didn't do this right. I didn't do that right. I should have been more committed. No, just knock all that off and just re-engage. Act like you've never been gone. Amen. Get back into a ministry and then act like you've always been there. Just re-engage. Because I can tell you there's protection in service, there's protection in fellowship. Say it with me, repent, recommit, re-engage. Number four, remain. Make up your mind you're never straying from the biblical Jesus ever again. You're going to remain in him. You're going to remain no matter what's going on. No matter what else the devil throws out there, he can do wars and rumors of wars, pandemics and problems and issues and financial, you know, you know, calamities, whatever it is, whatever the devil has planned, guess what? You're going to remain in him. Amen. We abide in him. Remain in him. And his what? And his word abides or remains in us. We can ask what we will and what will happen. It shall be done. It matters to have a relationship with the biblical Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Aren't you glad he's coming back? Aren't you glad he's real? Now the question is today, you know, um, have you been uh, on a hiatus? Have you been where you shouldn't have been? Have you backed away from the things of God? Have you disengaged? Hey, uh, the message is the same. Neither do I condemn thee. Now what? If you've been doing something you shouldn't be doing, stop it. Amen. How many of y'all know who Bob Newhart is? Some of y'all, millennials and younger, you don't. <laughs> Bob Newhart was a comedian. He had a show, and basically in one of the shows he did a skit, and in the skit he was a, he was a psychiatrist. And uh, he comes, sits down, and this lady comes to see him in his office, and now what's your problem? She goes, I'm afraid of being buried alive in a box. And you know what his world-class counsel was? Stop it. 
I don't think you understand. I have, a, I have a fear of being buried in a box. Have you ever been buried in a box? No, but I'm afraid I'm going to be buried. Well, one day you will be, yeah, <laughs> most likely. Buried alive in a box. Well, stop it. Look at somebody and tell them, stop it. On your own? No, you have the power of God backing you up in this situation. So it's not overly simplistic at all. In fact, connecting to him in faith is very, very powerful. Amen. Maybe you've hooked your wagon to some cultural Jesus that doesn't even exist. More palatable to the people you run around with. Well, it's time to return to the one who is the biblical Jesus. I want you to bow your heads for a moment.